0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I'm your host, Chad Belding. First off, we'd like to give a big shout out and thank you to some of our sponsors. Benelli, Federal Premium Ammunition and Black Cloud, Real Tree Camouflage, and Traeger Grills. Thank you guys for everything you do for us here at the Fowl Life Banded. And uh, I want to introduce my first guest here to kick off This Life Ain't For Everybody. I've known this cat for about... Probably 15 or 16, 17 years. I've known his dad and him for about the same amount of time. I credit both of them with uh, driving my passion for waterfowl hunting, conservation, duck calling, goose calling is, uh, on the stage competitively as well in the field. It's John Dave, John David Stanley, excuse me. Um, his dad is Dave Stanley, who's a renowned worldwide, uh, around the world, just known for fly fishing, duck hunting, conservation leader. And John David's following in his footsteps. John David, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. John David, uh, you know, this life ain't for everybody. Your life is pretty interesting along those lines. Give me an idea of your life starting in April.
1: My life starting in April, basically. I start, April, I start getting all my stuff together to go to Alaska, where I fish from May through October.
0: And October and then, comes, and then obviously the, the worst thing that's ever happened to both of us, the waterfowl bug starts to get yeah. you. What happens once you leave Alaska?
1: So I leave Alaska. I generally go down to Killam, where my dad has his Killam waterfowl outfitters and hunt with him for a little while. And then at the beginning of November, I start guiding in Texas. And I'm here until February.
0: And you, when you say Texas, first of all, you say kill them. That's in Alberta. Yes. So you start killing some ducks and geese with your dad, David Stanley, and kill them at his outfitting service up there in Alberta, Canada. Then you work your way down. You end up at Ranger Creek Outfitters in Ranger Texas. Ranger Creek Goose. Yep. Ranger Creek Goose. And you, you're you a guide there. Um, you're running hunts for speckle belly geese, lesser can geese, snow geese, sandhill cranes, and puddle ducks, right? Mm-hmm. And give me a little bit about, give me just a little bit of information about what 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 you what you got going down in Texas
1: man Texas is neat so where we are it's it's um very similar to where you and I grew up hunting in the Stillwater Marsh in Nevada is it's it's a small area that holds a lot of birds and when the geese get there they come to the peanut country and it's maybe 25 square miles and there'll be you know 150 or 200,000 little canadas there plus another 50 or 60,000 specks and that's so it's really known for his lesser
0: candidates. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about being a guide or a quote-unquote outfitter um, in the waterfowl industry or any kind of hunting or fishing. Um, the life of a guide is not always glorious. I mean, you get to see a lot of cool things with Mother Nature and put a smile on a lot, a lot of your clients' faces. But, I mean, it's late night scouting. It's early mornings getting up and getting the decoy rigs ready. The truck's warmed up, the the frost and the ice off the windshields, getting the dogs fed, getting them prepped for that day's hunt. But there's also a lot of things that you can't, you know, plan for. You know, you might have a motor breakdown. You might have a flat tire. You can't get your boat started. That all falls on the shoulders of a guide. And talk a little bit, though, about the life of a guide and, and why it takes a special kind of person with that passion for the outdoors to really be a successful guide.
1: Well, I think you say it best when you call it a passion because it is. It's it's you know, guiding looks very glamorous to people that hunt or fish on the weekends. They're like, "Oh, you get to hunt and fish every day." I hunt and fish less for myself now than I ever have because I'm always taking people. I mean, I get to go see it, but I personally am not hunting or fishing. I'm 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 facilitating that for somebody else. And it's uh there's, there's, you don't want to break it down to hourly wage. I can tell you that. It's just the time that's put in. No what, you know, even, I, with, even with tips. Huh? No, I mean it's just it's it's for the love of the game. But you're still sure.
0: you're still rich in a lot of ways be, with your experiences. Yeah, I mean I get paid to do what I love every day, and that's as rich as you can get. But, in my. Opinion. But let's be honest. Talk a little bit about. I mean, there's got to be clients that just wear you the heck out. There, I mean, they're there, there are, and and
1: I know you know you've seen that side of things too, and it's. uh what i always tell people is guiding sounds horrible if you ever sitting if you're not involved in the conversation but you're overhearing a bunch of guides talk because if we talked about all the people that had a great time and all the good hunts or fish we caught or whatever that's 99 percent of our stories so when you get a bunch of guides together what you hear are the horror stories you know the guys that it, it, you know, I mean, they. Ca- you know, Alaska. They catch a seventy-pound king, and it's not. You know, it wasn't eighty, so it wasn't big enough. Well, most people in their life have never caught a king that big. You know, no different than the people that. You know, in hunting. I mean, I've been doing it a long time. Like this, I just finished. This was my seventeenth season guiding. I've been guiding full time. And how old are you? I'm thirty three. You're thirty three. I've been, I've been, God, I've, been I've been guiding since I was seventeen.
0: So. 17 years old you start guiding let's talk a little bit about what you know what brought us together your dad dave stanley um when i think of dave stanley and I've, he's been on the foul life he's been around us he he's been a huge supporter band and he's helped us even develop some of our product line with apparel and some of our innovation in our waiter line um when you hear the name dave stanley the first thing people say they don't even accredit him to fishing or hunting it's always he's one of the best guys ever mm-hmm. born you know, he's just he's just a sweetheart of a man. He's just an awesome person. You're very lucky to have a dad like that. Your sister Katie, your mom Janet. You guys had a close knit outdoor family. Your dad's the president of the Heritage, you know, the the, the historic Canvasback Gun Club in Nevada, out in the Fallon Stillwater Marsh. Um, it, it doesn't come any more historic than the Canvasback. But as far as fly fishing goes, as far as the places he's been, as far as the things he's seen in nature from being in Canada to South America to New Zealand to catching fish on fly rods all over the world, plus his duck hunting adventures, plus we haven't even started in on rifle hunting or now archery hunting. I mean, the guy's killed desert sheep, bighorn, you know, Rocky Mountains. He's killed Californians. I, he's got a Grand Slam, or does he? No. He hasn't no, got the Grand no, Slam yet. He still needs a stone and a doll. He needs a stone and a doll. So, I mean, he's he's... Just one of those guys that he's a renaissance man of hunting is how I explained it. He can cook. Mm -hmm. He can put a camp together to entertain somebody. He can blow a duck call, a goose call, a turkey call. He can bugle in an elk. He can cow call. He can predator call. He's been on tons of episodes of Dead Dog Walking with Clay and Clint and Alex and the guys. I mean, talk a little bit about what it was like just being able to watch him do his thing
1: growing up with him. You know, growing up, I think it was, you, you take a lot of stuff. For granted, because you just don't realize how special it is, because it's just normal for you, right? But growing up and and starting guiding and obviously being away from home a lot since I was 17, I realized how special all the things my, my dad is very confident at are. You know, I mean, from organizing events, you know, I mean, we put on the do you green wings thing for i don't know 10 years yeah. at the club you know he organized that along with being the president of the canvas back you know sitting on the, the, the division of wildlife board for a little while yeah i mean he just
0: he's organized the vast state duck and goose yeah you guys did years. that for a while Nevada and, waterfowl duck so he's been a part and, of it and he's
1: very involved in it and he's to say he's a jack of all trades is really an understa- understatement You know, I mean, there's very few people that are as proficient as he is at all the things he does.
0: Yeah, and he does it in such a humble, quiet manner, which I wish all of us did it like that. Yep. Nobody, when people meet your dad, they're like, this is just a normal dude. But you go hunting with him, you're like, this isn't a normal dude. Right. This dude is a killer, and he can catch a fish, whether it's a nymph or a dry fly. He knows how to match the hatch. He can hunt a fish down and catch it like it's nobody's business. Yeah,
1: when nobody else is catching fish. You know, I mean, he's... He, The guys that worked for him in his fly shop used to say that when it would rain hard, he could go catch fish in a puddle in the parking lot.
0: Yeah, and he could.
1: Mm-hmm. Probably could. You know, and,
0: nice. and, you know, in, in talking about him, and I want you to keep hitting on that, though, is that it's that's that's passion right there, and that's what motivated me when I was around somebody like your dad is they, they make you want to become better because you look at him, and you're like, Man, I want to be able to cast a fly rod like that. Man, I want to be able to hit a double cluck like that on a goose collar. I want to be able to hit a, you know, hit a feed chuckle on a mallard single reed call like he does. And and besides that, you know, everything that he's done entrepreneurial-wise and business-wise, his passion for conservation um, didn't end with just going on a duck hunt or a fishing trip. He owned the Reno Fly Shop and he outfitted, he still outfits and guides trips out of Truckee, California on the Little Truckee River, the big, the main Truckee River, Pyramid Lake. He's 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 one of those guys that If I said, hey, I want to go to the southern tip of Mexico and catch whatever fish I can on a fly rod, he'd go, oh, I've been there and done it. Let's go tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And he just gets it done. And that's what I've always loved about your dad is that he doesn't say no to anything. He's always there to help you. And then once he's there, he's like, hey, you want to go fishing? you know let's 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 change that tire and then let's go fishing and everything with your dad always revolved around that unity that camaraderie and you know we'll get to see him tonight and, and talk and we're going to be with him all weekend this weekend running boats in the stillwater marsh and that's what turns me on about a guy like your dad is that he has been such an influence to so many kids and girls and boys and men when i met him i was 24 and he still influenced the heck out of my life you know and i, w- I was kind of set in my ways by then and and now i find myself, hey. What would Dave do? So, you know, kudos to the Stanley family. Um, Talk a little bit about... What gets you fired up. You've you've competed in the World Goose. You've been the World Goose Calling Junior Champion. You've competed against Hunter Grounds and Kelly Powers and, and Iverson and all the guys that are known as the short read goose calls. You've competed in Stuttgart several times. You've placed in the top ten. You've been in the finals so many times in the World Championship Duck Calling at the Wings Over the Prairie Festival in the Duck Capital of the World, Stuttgart, Arkansas. You've won tons of regionals. You've won tons of goose. You can't, you, you could build a boat out of all the wooden plaques you've won. We've a joke about that with your career how how do you get fired up to go onto a platform like that get on a stage and was it a song you listen what song would you listen to to get fired up when you were when you go guiding or when you were getting ready for competition
1: man it would always change um you know a lot of times before calling content before the worlds, i didn't really listen to much music because i was so practiced and just i was super focused um a lot of times for goose calling contests, I was much more relaxed about. I don't know why. I think it's because I could walk around on stage. Yeah, you didn't have to You can get that up. nervousness out while you're blowing the call. Um, you know, I'd listen to anything from White Zombie to Leonard Skinner. Like, it just depended on the mood I was in, right? Like, yeah. it, it just, anything to get yourself jacked up. Um, but... That, contest calling, I miss it. I don't get to do it as much as I used to just because I'm gone. I'm in Alaska when most of the contests happen. Um, It's, that is the best description of of why we waterfowlers hunt in the world because there's no waterfowl seasons open. Those calling contests strictly happen so that we can all get together and hang out and have that camaraderie of a hunting camp during the off season. You know, it's... And it gets blown out of proportion sometimes. I I feel as though I was lucky in the generation I grew up calling against. I mean, I I grew up calling against the best that's in my opinion that's ever walked across the goose calling sure, stage. I, I mean, yep. Hunter's the best, the and he's best. a very very good friend of mine. He and Tim are we've been close for a long time. Yeah, I love him both. Um, you know, so getting to grow up with calling against him and you know Wade Walling and Kelly Powers and Bill Saunders and really the if the heavyweights of what goose calling is today it was pre-youtube so everybody learned how to do it from going to contests and getting their butt handed to them yeah. you know i mean there was no sitting at home and watching videos and then figuring out i mean, you're the new kid that they shows definitely up have an advantage
0: of getting content today for sure all oh,
1: that and broken guts i mean i remember when you and i were contest calling like the hours you had to spend to get guts to where they needed to be years was, not hours years yeah i mean it was it but, but you know what i remember I'm
0: everybody saying. be like oh yes put a compressor on it and let it compress no, it, it doesn't do
1: that. it the same
0: and speaking of competition calling and calling i want to touch on it more during our our talk today our chat today here at this life ain't for everybody but right now i want to pause just th- thank a few sponsors when we come back I want John David to, to hit a couple notes on a duck call and a goose call, if he will. This kid's amazing. He has amazing, just the, the, the intensity that he calls with, the realism, the authenticity that he calls with. It's, uh, it's to be heralded, and it's what, when you hear it, you're going to be like, i got to go practice some more. So thank you to more of our sponsors, Edge Boats from Little Rock, Arkansas. Boss Drives down in Louisiana as well as Otis Gun Cleaning Technology in New York. We appreciate all the support our partners and sponsors give us. We'll be right back with more of the podcast here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'm your host, Chad Belling. All right, we're back, guys. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I'm Chad Belling. I'm here with John David Stanley from Reno, Nevada. Um, one of the he 's probably the most all around killingest cat- fish catching catchingest dude I know besides like we talked about his dad Dave, but like I promised before the break, I want John David to touch just a little bit a few notes, and you guys will just see the control that 's the number one thing that I think about when I hear John David call not just power but the control he has and how he demands birds to do what he wants them to do when it comes to chasing mallard ducks or Canada geese, as well as what he would do to impress judges so let 's start with the duck call a little bit just give me just give me just. 15 seconds of a note, 20 seconds of a note. Don't show off too much, because I don't want everybody out there thinking, oh my God, he's way better than Chad will ever dream of being, which you are, but let me hear it a little bit. You're nervous, I could tell. (laughs) Something under the reed. (laughs) Pause, Tom, cut it. I mean, you got a world-class duck calling guy, and you ask him to blow a duck call, and he sticks the first note.
1: <laughs> Stick. Yeah, you stuck the first oh note. Oh, my
0: God. You stuck the first note. Let me hear it. Go.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, I love it. And you're blowing a rich in tone there. A little... Uh... MVP, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, when you hear that, and, and it sounds so easy, and I think of guys like Christian Curtis or Keith Allen or Jimbo Ronquest. when I hear that feed chuckle, you know, like the best feed chuckle I've ever heard is probably Trey Crawford, and that sounds a lot like what you're doing. It sounds, it's like a mixture of those four or five guys I just named, yep. but it's just got this raspiness and this realism, authentic, authentic sound, and, you know, when you're talking about controlling ducks, Um, and and a lot of guys can't see what you're doing, but I'm watching you and I can just tell you're picturing what the ducks are doing. How important is visualization with you when you're, when you're hunting?
1: It's, it's very important. And obviously the more you get to do it, the more you get to see things. But coming back to my dad, where I was lucky in the hunting calling aspect was my dad knows how to read birds. And you can be the best call operator in the world, but if you can't read birds, it really When you talk out. about
0: reading birds, you're talking about instincts, you need, timing, you need to know body language, You what, what sound, when
1: to make it, where they need to be when you make that sound to make them come to where you want them to be. Yep. You know, I mean, one of, one of the best stories I've ever heard about somebody who, who's, and you touched on him as Trey Crawford, that was unbelievable. Is I knew guys that were hunting with him. And he bet a guy that they're standing in the woods and he bet the guy a hundred bucks the next duck that came in, he can make it land next to this stick in the middle of the hole. And, and he did. He did. Yeah. I've heard that like, story. And too. not fluke. Like the duck got down in the hole and he kept picking it up until he it got over where he wanted it to be. And he shut up. And that's where it landed. Yeah. You know, I've seen that, guys like
0: Keith Allen. We get out of the yeah. truck and so we'll start walking into, into a hole into the woods. And I'd be like, hey, Doug, we forgot the decoys. He's like, not nah, follow me. And we go in there, and we don't have a decoy, we don't have a jerk string, we don't have anything, and he's got mallards falling through the trees just based on, and he talks about it like this, is that that's why the duck calling is so proficient in places like Arkansas, because they're not seeing decoys when they're flying over that timber. They're hunting up that call. Mm-hmm. And that's why callers became so good and proficient and authentic down in Arkansas because the better you were, you had to be good to get those ducks to come into the woods. Yeah. And when I, when I hear guys like him or my buddy Joel Wicker who hunts with us at Prairie Wings a bunch, they control ducks without any visual going on. Now, if it's cloudy and they can pick you apart, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. The other thing that they taught me is that when they're kicking water in Arkansas in the flooded timber, everybody's like, oh, that's making your decoys move. No. That's for sound. It's It's for an audio thing for those ducks because they hear that. Ducks' wings hitting the water, splashing around, fighting amongst each other. You know, ducks are real greedy, so they're always pushing into each other. And Keith's like, no. When they, over the top of you, you kick the water, you slap the tree, it's all audio for that duck to hear because they're hunting up sound. Because when it's sunny, they can't see down, they can't see your decoys down there. So when they hear that, they're hunting that sound up. And to me, that blew my mind. And I'm like, no wonder every seven-year-old in Arkansas can blow a single-read duck call. You have to. Yep. You, you start them young down there because to hunt down there, you have to sound like ducks. Yep. And that's if you take that mentality and you take it into your duck hunting elsewhere in the country or your goose hunting or your turkey hunting, whatever you're hunting, authentic, authentic, authentic sounds is so important because I've never got off at shooting a duck at 60 yards or a goose at 50 yards or a turkey at 70 yards or a coyote at 400 yards with a rifle. I'm not a very good shot with a rifle. I'd rather get them at 80 yards and smoke them with a 22-250, or even better, 20 yards and shoot them with a Benelli, right, you know, with, with a shotgun. So that if, if you sound like animals, you trust your instincts like you're saying, read their body language, let them be animals, and let them hunt you up. Don't always be so eager to pull the trigger. Let them hunt you up for a while.
1: That, and and I think a lot of times it is with, I see a lot with the, the up-and-coming callers in particular, um... You know, it's okay to be quiet sometimes. Yep. You don't got to call the whole time. No. Nope. You just got to call. In. It's Coyote hunting is the best example of that. Because I've done it with you guys. And, and obviously, I mean, we used to do it a lot. Is once you got them coming, you really, you know, unless you're hunting somewhere that's high pressure and there's a lot of people around you, you really don't have to do much. No. Just enough to keep them interested. Yep. You know? Coyotes, it's lip smacks. Yep. Like, and it's timing. I mean, if but it, it is. It's it's reading what it. You know, it's, it's 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 a Rolodex in your head, and it's like, all right, this. You know, I need to make this sound now. Yeah, and it, it's the same with birds. Yeah,
0: and, like you don't yeah. have to be yelling at them if they're starting to work right. You know, and they're way up there. The ducks or a coyotes way out there, and they're working you, and they can hear that sound. He's a, a coyote can pinpoint sound like no other animal I've ever seen. Oh. Ducks are very good at it too. Ducks can be a mile high up there. And they hear you, and all of a sudden, they're right over the top of your hole in the trees. They they can pinpoint sound like crazy.
1: And I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that is, is a lot of people don't realize how good waterfowl's hearing is. And you don't, I will say, I didn't notice it until I lived in Arkansas. Because hunting in a marsh, like, A, I'm hunting high-pressure areas most of the time. There's other people around. Um and so see. you're really trying to keep them on a string, and they can, I know they can see me until you get to the timber, and like you said, you break a flock of ducks, and then you sit there and chatter, and the next thing you know, there's people all around you calling, and those ducks fall right in the hole right in front of you. Like,
0: Yeah. that's That's, that's what amazes me about hunting, is that if you let them be the animal they are, you trust your instincts, and you're patient with them. I'm not saying to stop calling. I'm not saying to call too much, but... If I whip smack a coyote at the right time, I can get him to come closer. Mm-hmm. If I hit a duck at his tail feathers or his or his wingtips when he's working a hole, like Keith Allen says, you just get him in a race mm-hmm. and you don't have to be calling at him all the time. But as soon as they start to go away, it's like, yes, 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 yes. Yep, 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 yep. And then as soon as he veers off, no, 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 no. And it's like you keep them in that line. You keep them coming. If a coyote mm-hmm. starts to get downwind of you, what do you do? you got to figure out what you're going to do. So you're going to bark. You're going to howl. My brother Clay is very good at bark, stopping a coyote, lip-smacking a coyote. And you smoke him before he gets too far downwind where he picks you apart. You have to trust yourself. Of, They're the wild animals. They're out there hunting us now. And you got to let them do that. Don't get so fired up and nervous to where you're trying to find them in the scope and try to shoot them at 700 yards because, to me, there's no... There's nothing. To do. If you want to shoot at 700 yards, an animal. My opinion, I might make some people mad. Go out and shoot steel. If you're going to have to kill an elk at 1100 yards with a high power rifle, that's not hunting to me. That's shooting. And now, now that might say, uh, wh- wh- Whatever. It, to each his own. I'm not saying don't do it, but to me, I want to shoot a bull elk at nine yards, coming to a cow call, right? And to each his own. That's why hunting so diverse, and you get there's so many different applications of it.
1: And it's and it's not to say, you know, I mean, you touched on the long range thing. Like, it's a skill. Skill, big time skill. But it's not hunting. And and the the guys, I have some friends that do it in Texas, and they'll be the first ones to say, they're like, it's shooting.
0: To me it is, and I just think if you're going to shoot a goose at 80 yards, I've always asked myself, what are you going to do with another goose?
1: you got to clean it. You got There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Why do you hunt over the decoys that we hunt over to shoot birds at 80 yeah, yards?
0: Let them work. And if it's not that goose that you kill, who cares? Kill the birds that you trick. Mm-hmm. And and kill the ducks. Kill the coyotes that you trick. I don't want to shoot at something 900 yards away and take a chance of ever crippling it. It's going to take me an hour to get to where it is just to start the blood trail to try to find it if I cripple it. I don't want to do that. I want to get them right up tight, a clean ethical, harvestable shot to where you know they're smoked, and that's the responsibility of a hunter, in my opinion, is that if you're going to take on the, the responsibility of being a hunter, and you're going to aim a gun at an animal and, and try to dispatch that animal and take its life to, to provide for your family and friends through the bounty and processing and butchering and, and, and getting it on the grill and eating it then you have a responsibility to clean it to kill it ethically and to not let it suffer. Absolutely. And and that's where that's where you know duck hunting and goose hunting, dogs come in, you don't want to lose a cripple, because it's gonna happen. There's gonna be crossfire, you're gonna wing a bird once in a while, but high probable shots at 15 to 30 yards of a guy that's proficient in decoying, scouting, calling, movement, motion, ripples on the water, whatever it is, get them tight and dispatch them quick that's what the responsibility of a hunter is in my opinion. So, there's a lot of ways to look at it. You can jump shoot, you can pass shoot, you can decoy, you can you can archery hunt, rifle hunt, you can muzzleloader hunt. You can you can even spear hunt now. You can do whatever you want. But just get in a position to where that animal dies quick.
1: Yep. And and I think touching on let them get as close as possible. A for people like us and and it, and it should be the goal of 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 all waterfowlers that, that, that truly love it. Like, I understand if you don't have the money for all the decoys. It's an expensive game. Big time. It is. But if you go out and you let them work and, you know, yeah. There's a lot of times I let birds go one more swing and they don't come back. But when they do come back, my goal Magic. as a guide is to show every group of my clients something they've never seen before. Yep. And most of the time I make that happen because I wait one or two more passes and, you're and I have geese landing or ducks landing five feet from us or landing on top of us. You know, I grabbed a snow goose out of the air with my dad. Oh, yeah, like that thing went ago. viral. Yeah, that was nuts. That was but awesome. you know, that was, but stuff like that, people don't forget, that, that was way, way more memorable to me than how many geese we shot. The, I don't even know how many geese we shot. It was a
0: pile. It doesn't matter
1: but it's like i have people you know they they go oh have you seen this video and i'm like yeah i know that guy that that was me yeah and they're like oh did you kill that goose no as decoy on? like as you know that was where the fisherman the fly fisherman in me took over i i fooled it as as i was the puppet master i caught it yeah like and more importantly and, than and, being and, the puppet and, master but i let that goose go like, like i don't need to
0: you don't need to, don't need to kill every goose i'm not that mad at him and that's the thing about it is you fool them and we kill because we want to eat it. We, yep. You and me and the guys that we hang out with, today, just today, we've eaten elk, mm-hmm. whitetail, and mallard in breakfast and lunch. Mm-hmm. And we cook wild game every single day of our lives when we have the ability to. If we're home, we travel a lot. Even when we're on the road at hunting camp, we're cooking our bounty every night for appetizers, the main course. And I feel that it is the responsibility of a hunter to make sure that the antis or other people out there that might not agree with our lifestyle maybe they're just not educated in our lifestyle enough but that and they don't understand that we truly want to live off the land we want to go out and hunt it, we do love it we that's get fired as, up that's
1: as organic as it gets yes, we're passionate it's wild about game it.
0: exactly and we love to prepare i love coming up with ideas and recipes and working with the guys at traeger and elkridge knives and and coming up with different ways of saying hey Here's the way you process a goose. Here's a better way to do a duck. Mm-hmm. Here's how we do a deer. And then once we get that meat off the bone or bone and ribeye, whatever it is, it's it's so awesome to see the looks on people's faces when your dad when your dad brings in Mama Dale's duck that, that, that Paulo's mom did. You're like, look at that. It's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like literally, you don't even want to eat it. It's so pretty. And then you put it in your mouth and you're like, oh my God, that's really duck. Yeah. And I love when people go, duck sucks. Well, that's because you don't know how to cook it. You overcook it. It becomes liver texture. Mm-hmm. Learn how to be a provider. Become a a better guy on the grill. Become a better hunter. Become a better caller. It's all about proficiency and practice.
1: And I think a lot of it starts with, you know, the time after you take that animal or bird to when it is clean. You know, if they sit in your garage for three days. And it, it may be cool. They're not as good. No. You know, Fresh it's, meat. it's no different than people that don't like antelope here, right? Well, yeah. They draw an antelope tag and they're like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't like antelope. Do you want it? Yeah. And it's like,
0: it's because you let it sit in the sun. And well, that's because you leave the weather. skin on it. It turns yeah. out
1: the first thing that goes rancid is the fat. Yeah, it yeah. The the fat when it's 95 yeah. degrees, take yeah. the we kill them with all the skin off of it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> get them on ice right away. Yeah. Right. And that's and and, I, and I, you know I don't like to get on a soapbox or preach that, but I just feel that you know we're we're behind the eight ball a lot. Just saying that we're a hunter. People go, "Really, you kill things?" Well, no, we we're providing. We eat everything that we kill. And when it comes, well, you kill coyotes, well. Predator control is a completely different ball game, and you got to educate yourself on wolves and red foxes and coyotes and skunks and keeping them in check. We're not mad at them. We don't disrespect them. I think the coyote is the baddest-ass animal in the world, the most adaptable animal in the world. They say you put one on the North Pole, he's going to survive. They can hunt anywhere. And we don't kill them because we hate them. We kill them because we understand that we have to keep them in check because if we didn't, they're the ultimate predator. Nobody's going to keep them in check except disease and once disease happens it's bad for every
1: animal out there yeah i mean particularly texas kansas oklahoma you get back there and i know you hunted back there this year that you know the coyotes back there are we're lucky here in nevada our coyotes are healthy i don't know that i've ever seen a super 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 mangy coyote here no. with a rat tail well, but see. like you get to kansas or texas and they're everywhere yeah like and and that's anyone who thinks that is 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 a better population control than a bullet is incorrect because that that. animal suffers until it dies yeah big time it's not instant
0: and they can spread it to other animals yep and you know that's there's so many responsibilities of being a conservationist a hunter a gatherer and becoming a hunter you have to be willing to say hey i'm ready to take on those responsibilities Mm -hmm. because whether you're driving a boat with some buddies in it there's a lot of accidents that happen Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that accidents don't happen whether you're, you, gun safety is so big. Um, anything that you talk about with what we take on on a daily basis, it's not like, oh, we just go out with a butt. We're just gun-toting dudes that go out and just shoot as much as we can. No, there's a lot that goes into being a responsible American hunter, and, and that's what I love about it. And I want people to understand that. I want to introduce so many new people, whether they're female or male or college students or high school students or guys in their 40s and 50s. I want to get them in there. I want to get them in the blind and let their eyes light up. We've taken so many military heroes back from back from theater, back from fighting for our freedoms, and we put them in a duck blind, it's therapeutic to them. I want, under, I want people to understand that this is therapy. When we're out there, it's life slows down for a little bit. And when duck season ends, I got tears in my eyes yeah. because I love that time of the year so much. And when I hear somebody say, you should be ashamed to be a hunter, it makes my skin crawl because I'm like, no, man. We do so much for so many people. Hunters are always giving back. And the number one thing that we give back to is the animal. We might kill a few, but through conservation organizations like DU or Mule Deer Foundation or RMEF or NWTF, I can go on and on about them. We work very close with California Waterfowl Association. The things that they do to ensure populations of ducks and habitat is amazing. I mean, it literally puts chills on my skin to know what hunters do for animals. And then when somebody goes, well, you should be ashamed to kill an animal. No, if it wasn't for the hunters and the hunter's dollar and their money and their checkbook, There'd be a lot more problems going on with elk and geese and turkeys and every other animal population, and, and
1: not just not just the animals that. That's the biggest misconception. Is like, oh, okay, so we pay all this money just to make sure that there's more of these animals so we can shoot them. More of our money, more of our money goes to protecting animals and birds that we will never be able to hunt. Yeah. but as as sportsmen and conservationists, that's fine. Yeah, because I want them all to be there. I don't want just those to be there. I don't want there to just be mallards, like. All of the shorebirds and everything that are in the marshes are part of what keeps the marshes what they are, yeah. and you got to have that. And it it's very disheartening to see the amount of ignorance hatred. and ignorance, hatred yeah. for us when they really don't have any information.
0: Yeah, they, and I'm they not don't say, like I'm, they're
1: just they're they're sheep.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not gonna go and boycott a vegetarian. Parade. I don't care if you're a vegetarian. Do it. I don't care if you're a vegan. Roll with it.
1: I like Except vegetables, you, too. I, I just like them with a steak.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I agree 100%. You know. And it's like, you 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 don't want us to go kill animals, but you're eating all these vegetables, and that's what the animals need to eat. So really, you're taking their food source. I heard that the other day, and I was like, well, it's kind of true. Yeah. And, and, but I don't hate vegetarians. I don't hate people that, that look down on hunting. I just want them to at least come and watch it, because I've experienced it with new kids. Like, when we just did this thing with UC Davis in Sacramento with the CWA and Rocky Merlot. We were down at Bird Haven, and uh, Mr. Ken Bond. Paul Bonderson, he was the the president of Ducks Unlimited up until this year, Um, he invited us out to participate in this college campus where kids that have never, they just got their hunter safety and shot a gun for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the blind with one of these females and I'm looking at her face and I'm like, this is amazing. It's transforming right before my eyes. This young lady, she was 18 or 19, is turning in to a hunter. A conservationist, she loved the pintail, the sprig, the cotton tops, the wigeon. She saw some mallards, t- green winged teal, cinnamon teal. She's like, "This is beautiful." And then when it came time to shoot, she didn't wasn't scared because she understood it. She she was educated that hey, this is what hunters do. This is the responsibility they take on. And then we went and cleaned the birds, and then we ate the birds. And I'm just like, that was so unbelievable. It was so uplifting to me that. These programs really work. The green wings you talked about with your dad, getting 50 kids between the ages of 5 and 12, 13 out in the marsh, boat drives, archery, shotgunning, duck calling, goose calling, dog work, boat safety. You banding know, ducks. banning like ducks, like ducks everything. Chris Nikolai, the biologist yeah. in Nevada, he's out with Bill Henry right now, banning ducks. We're going to get to be with him on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. And so much goes on besides the pull of that trigger, besides the kill of that bird or that elk. So much goes on. And just... Come to one of our wild game feasts and see the unity and the camaraderie and the memories created, the laughs, and most importantly, the therapy. Because you let everything go. The socializing that goes on around a campfire, which was the true social media of the world, the original social media before all this. I I mean, I can't even stand it. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. But being around a campfire with a highball or a cold beer, a cold Bud Light, and sitting there, Listening to Keith Allen or Zach or Drake or Leith Lofton or somebody play the guitar and sing a song and have your dog laying next to you and see all the smiles and the feet kicked up on the fire pit, there's no better place on earth, I guarantee it. Whether it's the French Riviera, Italy, I don't care where you go, there's no better place in the world than Duck Camp USA, period.
1: There's not. Agreed? Absolutely.
0: Guys, thanks for joining us right now. We're going to be back here in a little bit with more from John David Stanley. Me and this kid could talk about things that would blow your mind. We're going to get into a little bit of music, his dad, his relationship with my brothers, his memories of my dad. We're here at This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I'm your host, Chad Belding. Before we break, I want to send a huge thank you out to the Outdoor Channel for everything that they do for us here at the Foul Life and Banded Brands. We'll be right back with more of the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Back here with this Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, I'm Chad Belling with our guest John David Stanley, and truly his life isn't for everybody, from starting in Alaska in April and May, guiding on the Kenai for salmon, and working his way all the way down the flyway to end up guiding for Ranger Creek Goose in Texas, around Lubbock, um, a lot of a lot of uh, highs and lows as an outfitter, his dad Dave Stanley could tell you all about that, but we've been uh, the last couple segments, we've been getting pretty serious, so let's talk about some fun things. Um... When it comes to concerts, we both love going to concerts. We've been to a ton of them together. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that your favorite kind of concert would be somebody along the lines of Jamie Johnson.
1: Yeah. Are
0: Are you a Jamie Johnson fan? I'm a
1: big Jamie Johnson fan. I mean, how
0: good is Jamie Johnson?
1: He's amazing. Let's
0: talk about how insane the career of Jamie Johnson is, of what he's accomplished, and more importantly, the respect. Like we talked about with your dad, the respect that the peers of Jamie Johnson in Nashville. And I'm talking from the late, great Merle Haggard, George Jones, mm-hmm. to to Garth Brooks, to Willie Nelson. We can keep going. Yeah. George, George Stray. State. I mean, all the people that rely on Jamie Johnson for his writing skills, his musical skills, his vocals, his voice. Um, I I personally couldn't pick a better... Voice in my, in my, and I love music and I love guys from Axl Rose to, to Freddie Mercury, a queen, and, and I just love Jamie Johnson. Let's just, yeah. the, the, his music, we were listening to it today with High Cost of Living and That Lonesome Song and Making and My Way to You. And he, he's just one of those guys where you're like, you don't hear about him much because he's not commercial anymore. He had a huge hit with, you know, You Should Have Seen It in Color. And it's it, it just, it's amazing to me that every single song that he puts out there isn't a number one on the radio and that just shows you what's going on in country music is you're just like, really? That guy's amazing.
1: Yeah. Talk to
0: me it's a little Bob, bit about how you feel about him.
1: Man, he's, you know, w- what was funny is everybody thought he was this new artist when he came out with In Color. Yet, those of us that listen to what would be considered old country now, um, he's been writing songs for a long time. 25 years before he ever made his own album. You yeah. Know? I mean, he's He's one talented human being, that's for sure. Yeah, he he
0: he's he he hadn't been writing quite that long. I don't want to make it sound like Jamie's 60 right now. No. Jamie, I mean, I think Jamie's like my age. I think Jamie's 42. He he's right around that age. And when you mm. think about what he accomplished with the songs he wrote, you know, one of the big big hits he wrote for George Strait was Give It Away. Yeah. He's written stuff with Trace Atkins, Blake yeah. Shelton. Um, he's written some some big time songs, and but to me, what makes Jamie Johnson or an artist like Jamie Johnson and guys like Zach Brown or, or, you know, people that write songs and then can go and have that kind of artistic ability to present that song in the right fashion with their voice, their band, their choreography, just their their instrumentation, everything, that it blows me away. And I never I never really understood the importance of songwriting until I was, you know, in my late twenties and and matured into like going to Nashville and learning like. Man, these singers are nothing without the songwriter. Yeah. And, but when you can take somebody like Jamie or Zach, or these guys that actually sing the songs they write or write songs for other guys, yeah. or like Stapleton, he's written hits for Adele. Yeah. You know, he's written hits for Thomas Rhett. I mean, and then he's got you listen to his albums either with the Steel Drivers or his solo albums that he's just, you know, he's saved country music with what he did with Timberlake on the award show. When they laid down Tennessee Whiskey and a friends of mine, I'm like. I literally think that just saved country music because, in my opinion, country music's been going this whole other direction of, mm-hmm.
1: of like... Because really, it, was, it was a collaboration, but it was still real country. Yeah. Like, it was... Well,
0: T- Justin's from Tennessee, man. Yeah. Justin's new album. Justin's Man of the Woods' new album. I mean, it's insane. And it's got a lot of bluesy, rootsy, mm-hmm. soulful country vibe to it. Justin Timberlake is mad talent. When I watch him and you think about, oh, he used to dance with Britney Spears, and then it was in sync, and you're like, Justin Timberlake is a bad, bad dude. I mean, just watch the history of rap that he does with Jimmy Fallon. They've got like seven or eight editions of that, and I'm like, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. Sometimes I think I can freestyle rap, and then I watch them, <laughs> and I'm like, I suck. Like, Timberlake is mad talent. Jimmy Fallon is mad talent. I love being around talented people. That's why I like sitting in the presence of somebody like you that can manhandle a duck call or a turkey call or being around your dad with the fly rod or the duck call or the shotgun. I want to be around people that inspire me through not just talking about it, but you like Justin Timberlake can dance. He can sing. He can write. He can he can choreograph. He can produce. He's He's got, you know, he's got a tour starting right now that's gonna be huge worldwide. I just love genius. And I, I know that root that word gets thrown around a lot, but there are guys out there that we're witnessing right now, like Jamie or Bruno Mars or Justin or Chris, or there's there's so much genius out there in music and in, in movie making and hunting and product and in innovation. And I just love that. That's what drives me every day is that I want to be more and more like those guys. I'm not saying that I'm envious of them or I'm jealous of them. And I hate, I hate haters, man. I don't want to be a hater. If you're doing good, I want to be like, man, good for you. I don't want to be like, Justin Timberlake sucks. No, yeah. Justin Timberlake helped save country music, in my opinion. He's awesome. He had everybody, every from you watch that show and you see who's on their feet watching him and Chris do their thing the night. Everyone. You could see that the blood was being pumped back into 16th and 17th Avenue on Music Row in Nashville, in my opinion, it needed that. It mm-hmm. needed that shot of adrenaline, of oxygen to get going on the right track. And now the album of the year is Chris Stapleton. It's Miranda <laughs> Lambert. It's people that are true country musicians yes. and songwriters and innovators. And, and, I just, and I love that. And so that's why I brought up Jamie is that I, we were with Jamie last week in Nashville. He sang at one of our parties. And when I watched him get on the stage and watch the reaction of the people in the audience, I was like, so this is what it means to be a star. I mean, like literally, every phone went in the sky, and you're yeah, but, like,
1: but it's not the screaming madhouse. It everybody shuts up because they want to hear. Yeah, and that's exactly what they it's, did. It's 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 about the music, not about the show.
0: Yeah, and that's what, I, what we made that announcement at the beginning of the night is that hey guys, we're in Music City, USA. You know, we're going to have some special guests tonight. We're not going to say who right now, but we're gonna we're gonna lay it down tonight. And when he got up there, I was like. Oh my gosh! And I had just seen him with with you guys in December. He came to Reno and put on that show, and he had the crowd. He's saying, "This land is your land," and he made it sound like a number one hit on country radio. And I'm like, "That's he's a he's just a he's a magician with the guitar and his songwriting skills." And and I love that. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the passion of people and what's going on. And there's so there's a lot of people like that that uh, that we take for granted that we're getting to witness right now. And I can imagine, you know, growing up and seeing it from, from, you know, like my mom's age and my dad's age was with Elvis and Waylon and Merle and Willie and their heyday and their prime is like, I just love that part of America and society that we can go and hit a button and listen to somebody pump blood into us because of their words, because of their voice, because of what they stand for. And I'm just like, I love that. I love that about our country. And it happens in every the, you know the, it, this. The, this is called "this life ain't for everybody," and it's about the different walks of life that make up our communities, our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. our families, our kinships, our friendships, our duck camps, our campfires, and that's what I've always, you know, start, you know, starting in the early days of banded. It was duck hunting brings all these different walks of life together, and it's the common denominator that puts Jamie Johnson or Zach Brown or a military navy seal or or marine or a sniper or an army ranger at a campfire with you or a janitor or a pilot or a surgeon or an accountant Mm -hmm. i don't care what walk of life friday five o'clock comes and you put on your boots and your camo pants and load your dog up and go to camp we're all the same person there's no celebrities at duck camp and that's what i always loved about hunting
1: yeah and it's and it's you know it's neat and i think that's why a lot of celebrities go to it because as you know, obviously, you've hunted with a bunch of them, and I have to. You know, I mean, I hunted. You know, I've hunted with Cashner and a bunch of people. Aaron Lewis, you know, and those guys—they like hunting camps. Aaron
0: Lewis can't sing very good, can he? No, oh, he, oh no. My God. I, guys, I taught he's him a one, couple things. One of the most amazing voices ever. <laughs> that is one of From the Spain most, to his country most talented country human beings. And Cashner's fastball—you're just like I could smoke that until you get in and face him, which and I watch have. him throw one. Yeah, it's not fun. No, it's not.
1: He's fun. huge, but yeah. those guys. You I never think, know they're celebrity. I, but I think it? that's why they like hunting and fishing is because they show up and people like you and myself, we're there for the hunt. That's why they're there. That's what we talk about. You don't sit there and berate them with questions about their life. Yeah. Because they 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 get to talk about that all the time. The and hunts think, are released. And man. I think that's why 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 they enjoy it so much. You know, doing stuff for the wounded veterans is.
0: Therapy, for me and for them. That that is
1: that is the single-handedly the coolest thing I get to do is take veterans hunting and fishing. We have we put on a big deal in Alaska um, called the Wounded Hero Project, and um, like sixty of us guides donate our boats for two days. You know, it's just it's on us and all the everybody from the jay bear and anchorage comes down and we get to take all these wounded, better you know i mean i took a few years ago i took four guys that were in special forces they had all been blown up at least once Yeah. and they wanted to pay me
0: not happening that's just how they are that's their mentality I
1: i was like no way man like turns out if it wasn't for you i wouldn't be able to do this yeah and that's the right mentality and they're like, no, 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 it's just a job. So when they tried to give me money, I was like, it's just a job. Yep. Like, you don't get to pay me. And they're like, all right. The coolest tip I've ever gotten, I got from those guys. And one of the ex-Army Rangers brought me, it's it's not that much, it's just a little headlamp that clips on their shoulder pack or on their helmet. Yep. And he was wearing it when he got blown up. And you can see where the shrapnel hit it. Oh, man. And he goes, you don't have a choice on this when you're taking this.
0: Yeah, that's how and, they are. That's but that,
1: my I, it's, it's in my blind bag. Like it's, that's the coolest tip I've ever gotten, you know, and it's, and for me, it's not, it's, I mean, obviously guides make a lot of their money in tips, but that's not what it's about. It's about, like we were talking earlier, it's about showing people something they've never seen, blowing people's minds. Like, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not jaded when I go on a hunt. Like I don't have a jaded view of what a good hunt is, you know, one bird can come in and my hands shake like a leaf, yep. or 5,000 can come in and it shakes the same. And people look at me, and I'll get done and, like, get the bird from my dog or whatever and set it down, and I'm sitting there shaking. They're like, you're shaking. And I was like, yeah. yeah. When I stop shaking, I'll stop doing this. It like, stop. It, it it just.
0: And that's all it takes to bring you back tomorrow. You could not yeah. see a duck all day, no. and then one green wing does it perfect, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Yeah. And Tiger Woods always talked about that. I'm having the worst round of my life, get on the 18th hole, hit a perfect chip shot.
1: Yep.
0: Still might double bogey, but that one chip shot.
1: I know the swing's there.
0: Yeah, I know the swing. It, brought, it brings me back tomorrow. I can't wait to get back on the board. And, yeah. and when you think about that part of hunting that you're talking about, J.D., is that that's why it's the best lifestyle in the world. You can spend two days in, in duck camp with somebody and have a friendship that's so strong, you'll never, ever have a chance of breaking it for the rest of your life. And there's just this unity and this respect that goes into that. And when you say, like, you don't blow Kashner or Zach or Drake White or Lee three, all these celebrities up with questions, it's because... We don't have time to talk a lot in duck camp because we're mesmerized by what we're getting to witness through Mother Nature sure. and the ducks and the wind and the leaves falling and the dogs and seeing a dog shake or swim with the mallard um, or the, the smell of that boat motor or just knowing that you're in duck country, duck camp, USA. That's, that's what our lifestyle is about. And that, this podcast isn't about, hey, rah, rah, look at us. We're hunters and we want you to hunt and we're defending what we do. No. We're, this, this life isn't for everybody. We're not saying that you should be a hunter, but at least get to understand to the point to where you understand what a hunt or being in hunting camp can provide for somebody. Because I've had people come to hunting camp that don't hunt at all. Mm -hmm. Like Zach's photographer, Andy Sapp, at Southern Ground in Georgia, never hunted in his life. Comes to duck camp, he can't wait to get back there every year in Arkansas now. And it's not about the kill. It's about the brotherhood, the kinship, the camaraderie that's going on there and the respect. And the therapy that it provides for somebody to where you're in a place where your cell phone doesn't work. And you're like... You can see that when you're out there with a veteran and he's watching the sky and the sun come up and those ducks work and that dog swim back with a mallard, you know that he's where he wants to be. And I'm sitting there going, this is more therapeutic than any couch or couch doctor could ever provide for
1: him. And there's, there's no, you know, particularly the ones that have just got back from an active duty and been through hell and back, literally. Just you can watch their body relax from the time you meet them in the morning until half an hour after the sun comes up yeah. they're a completely different person yeah and over the course of an hour and a half of setting up decoys and blinds and then the sun comes up and it, it literally like it's it, it's amazing yeah it's
0: a until you've done it until you've literally introduced and you've something. seen that yeah
1: And And you you watch them just, you watch their shoulders relax, and then they just, it's like a whole new person comes out of them.
0: Because we take it for granted what they do and what they go for and how they're feeling when they get back here. And what they've been through. Yeah, and what they're going through when they come (laughs) back. No matter if they're back with their family or not, they still face a lot of obstacles of getting, you know, back in society and acclimated again. And being in the woods, being in a duck blind, being in the turkey woods, where it is, being in a boat fishing for for walleye in South Dakota at Wa Bay, it gives them that sense of, man, I needed this. And, it, and even if it's just for that day, that's yep. okay. Yep. And you take them again, and you take them again. And that therapy is right there for our side of it too, because when I see how it's treating them and what it's letting them experience, I'm like, this is what I was put here to do. This is what hunting is. It's not about saying I am the best hunter or the best duck caller. Ego is out the door. If you develop an ego because you're a good hunter, you got issues. Because that we're we're blessed to do this. We're not entitled to do this. And entitlement comes in in many Entitlement's forms. A problem. It sucks, and it's a, it's and a it's, bad thing. And to it's have. a
1: problem in in the world that I'm in because I'm I'm, I'm a guide. I'm an outfitter for all intensive purposes. Like I I you know I rely on those and you I rely on the fish and the the birds or the big game whatever it may be that I'm guiding for. And you watch people and you realize you know it comes back to the guiding game is why pe- why a lot of people don't like guides, and it's because it puts people get possessive of birds. How are you going to say those are your geese they're not somebody beats you to a field you get beat to a field yeah. it's not that big a deal and there's, there's that's that entitlement and it it's terrible it ruins it. It, yeah. it, it, it ruins it ruins everything it. it ruins everything
0: and we've all been guilty at right. it at some point in our life at one time or another and you're exactly right and i'm glad you brought that up and and we talk about that word it's we have you know eric church's song to kill a word is that's that word should have been in there that word should have mm-hmm. been in that song when eric wrote it or whoever wrote to kill a word but hearing him sing about all those words that you want to kill mm-hmm. entitlement's one that i would kill mm-hmm. because we're not entitled to get to go shoot a mallard duck or even a cottontail rabbit in October in the Limbo mountain range in Nevada. We are not entitled to do this. We're blessed every day to be be, be able to call ourselves a hunter. Yeah,
1: no different than a paycheck. Like, you gotta work for it. Yeah, you gotta We're work for it. You're not entitled to it.
0: We're not entitled to it. And that sense of is the sense of entitlement's running rampant through our it's terrible. through our society right now. And we gotta get back we gotta get back to free, like Drake talks about. Mm-hmm. We gotta get back to our roots. We gotta get back to living off the land and executing and 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 analyzing a situation and setting forth some short-term goals and long-term goals and making yourself really brings a group of people together to to reach those goals and maximize the potential of, of that group of people. And and I think that once you start to apply the entrepreneurial spirit of America in business and business and what it takes to grow a brand... Or grow a team, or become a winning team, or win a championship, or you know develop a hunting camp that has successful a successful season year after year because of your application, because of your preparation, your farming habits, everything that you do. It's not always you. You everybody looks at the end product and they're like, oh my god, you kill so many ducks, you must just be hunting the honey hole every day. Well, they don't know what goes on behind the scenes to get to that point. Whether you get invited to go there by somebody mm-hmm. because you've worked hard at at, at really nurturing that friendship to where they want you to come hunt with them at their special place or it's your own piece of property that you bought a piece of dirt and turned it into a magnet, then I pity the fool, as Mr. T would say, that looks at somebody that does that and goes, you're an idiot because you shoot all those ducks or you're you're only only killing all those ducks because you're hunting the honey hole every day. Well, let's just keep our mouths quiet. Let's wake up earlier, develop a work ethic, go kick some butt every day and develop that livelihood for yourself and worry about yourself. Don't worry. Don't talk about... I, I, I try not to worry about haters anymore or worry about people saying something. I just get up and try to treat people with respect and do my thing. And if, if people can't see that and they want to they chastise me because I get to hunt some cool spots, I'm blessed and humbled to get to hunt those spots. And I hope that people get that message through the passion that we have for the outdoors and the respect that we have for our military or everything that's going on in our country. We have to get better as a people, as a community because there's some things that we're facing right now that we should all come together instead of trying to divide each other mm-hmm. and when it's the little thing the little community of hunters in the world we should be more in tune of being learning from each other or giving each other the respect because we're all here to do the same thing right yep. let's not have a sense of entitlement let's not be jealous let's not be a hater let's work harder to be better together and that's it sounds like we're preaching but we're not that's really what that's really what being a hunter is all about
1: yeah, it is, and and you know, that's that's one thing that I know you and I have done a lot, and obviously my dad, and we've all done it together, is, you know, getting... I, I know I didn't realize it when I was the kid at the hunting camp, and everybody's like, oh, you're the future, you're the future, you know, you're 10 or 11 years old, you're like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going duck hunting tomorrow. But now I realize it, and you know, I mean, I take kids whenever I can.
0: Yeah, and I think that the sooner I mean, you can... It's, the sooner you can realize it in your hunting career... That it's not always about that killing. And don't let me take anything away from that killing part, because I love it. I love pulling that trigger and I love smoking birds too. and coyotes. I'm not gonna say that I don't, but it's not a b- the sooner you can realize that it's not about a limit, that it's about all these extracurricular things we're talking about, from mm-hmm. the hot coffee to the wet dog to the smile it's on a soldier's face.
1: The, whole the experience. Experience. You know, and that's the
0: sooner you can realize that, the better hunting career you're gonna have.
1: Yep. And it, you know, I mean, talking about stuff like that—that it's about the whole picture. You know, when I—I when I really got into contest calling and, and when I won the Junior World Goose in 2001 at 15, my, my dad, who's my biggest supporter. You know, I was—I was playing golf competitively. I played soccer super competitively for eight or nine years and when he saw how much I love the hunting thing, he's like, man, with this call and stuff, he goes, you can take it wherever you want. And he goes, and you should, because it'll take you everywhere. But, just remember when you, and, you know, as as it progressed, he goes, just remember, when you start guiding, it's easy to be a good guide when the hunting or fishing is good. Good guides, their clients have a good time on the worst days of the year. Yep. And it's, because you make all that important, the hanging out at camp, cooking them dinner, like just you know. I mean, I don't know how many t- times at camp um, when I was a few years ago, when I was working in Kansas, you know, I'd have guys that are like, "Oh, goose is no good, except for jerky," and I was like, "All right, yeah, we'll see." I make mommadelles, cook them. And they're like, "It's not what? goose. That's not goose." Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, but I mean, but stuff like that. It's it's the whole experience for them, you know? Hanging out hanging out with customers is, is awesome. I love meeting people just like you. You get to hunt all over the place. And I love meeting people from different areas and seeing how they do things and how they cook and everything else. And that's all you have to do is hang out with them at camp. It's guidance. The hours aren't easy. The job is easy yep. itself. I get to deal with people on vacation every single day I go to work. Yep. How Hard is it? Can't be. That oh, hard. it's raining. Oh, well, yeah,
0: let's go get muddy. Put on your cortex, like
1: let's roll, yeah, you know. But put on
0: your banded, Janie. Well,
1: you put know. on
0: your banded, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And let's, you know, that's that's that. I, I'm telling you, I'm right there with you. And I've, I've guided, you know, I used to, I've guided, I've owned mm-hmm. outfitting companies, and and I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I remember. I, I took a lot out of Keith Allen and Christian back when they had their waterfowl yep. outfitter in Missouri and the boot hill in southern, southeast Missouri. And Sykeston. everybody had a blast when they came to camp. And it was about the guitar playing at night. It was about the camaraderie, the joking. And like, we just need to get back to that, back to the place and find our roots of why do we hunt? And we need to figure out.
1: It's not all about the pile.
0: It's not all about the pile all the time. And when you hear slogans like that, you're like, yeah, we can make a pile once in a while. But I would rather make somebody laugh or smile. And that's what I think that everybody can do. And I'm not saying you can't get that through a pile of dead birds, but really a a pile of dead birds is a lot of work. And you better take on that responsibility of cleaning them and cooking them and eating them. And, and you know, and again, not everybody's going to cook them and clean them and eat them or kill them, clean them, cook them and eat them. Maybe not everybody. But I've turned a lot of people on just like you were talking about. Brandon Adams, a great friend of mine in Arkansas, was like, there's no way this is duck. That's beef tenderloin. And me and Joel Wicker are like, that's mallard duck that was killed this morning in the Mitchell hole at Prairie Wings, Stuttgart, <laughs> yeah. Arkansas, USA. I promise you. He's like, nope, that is beef. Ter-. I'm like, Brandon, it's freaking duck. And yeah. nobody ever believes you. And that's what I love about hunting camp is that you can like sit there and have an argument about the meat you're eating because right. pe- you can make it taste that good. And so let's just end it on a couple fun things. I got a couple questions. I don't want you to start. I don't want you stopping and thinking. I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Best duck to hunt. way too long. <laughs>
1: you really hard, can't man. pick one.
0: All right, best goose to hunt. Snow geese. Best goose caller you ever competed against? Hunter Grounds. Best goose caller of all time?
1: Hunter Grounds. Best
0: duck caller you've ever competed against? John Stevens, hands down. Come on. Come on. I don't know if there's anybody better of all time than John Stevens. You competed against him a lot. Who is it? Come on. take it. Best I've now.
1: ever competed against? Yeah. Probably John.
0: Stevens? Yeah. All right. Best duck caller you've ever hunted with. Besides me. Go. Bobby Joe Willie. Bobby Joe Willie, the man with three first names. Really? Bobby Joe Willie in Arkansas. Better than Jimbo?
1: The man can read better. Better than
0: John? Better than Trey?
1: Trey, Bobby Joe, and Jimbo. Well, I
0: would have to go with Christian Curtis, Keith Allen, Joel Wicker, are right, like they, they can kill them, they can kill them, I know, I know a lot of good duck callers, I've been with you, I haven't hunted with you in a few years, I would say in the woods, those would be my three, you're one of the top guys ever of calling ducks and killing them, your dad, I can remember hunting in the cane at the canvas back club with your dad, and he'd be like, watch this, and he would let go of that jerk rig, and I'm like, why aren't you calling, and he's like, you can call, I'm going to create motion, we'll work together as a team, and we're going to kill these mallards. And he goes, all right, hit the note. And then he lets go of that jerk rig and the ripple start, and those ducks went, and they cupped up, and their wingtips were touching, and their feet came down, big orange migrator feet that had just gotten there, blood pumping through them, and your dad said, get them. And I was like, and that picture's still on your dad's wall yeah. of canvas back. I'm, I'm probably... 26, 27 years old. So that was, I still look about that age. Yeah, that was, yeah. No, that was about five years ago. let's yeah. just leave it at that. It's about five years ago. Nine, but I'm nine. telling you, that picture I look at, I'll see it this weekend when we're down there running the boats. I'm like, I remember that day so vividly. I could literally walk up to a canvas and paint that day and that hole and where we were. I remember in the
1: bo- where you hunting? Yeah. Where? Freeman. Blonde. No, Freeman. Blonde two. No. The Freeman. last duck my dad shot was banded.
0: No, Freeman. Freeman. Telling you, let's talk for your dad tonight. All right, next question. Favorite meal? Ducks. Ask me. What's your favorite meal? Sushi. Um, (laughs) Best song ever recorded? Ooh. Too hard. Best Adam Sandler movie? I said I'm room?
1: Happy Gilmore.
0: Happy Gilmore. Nice. Uh, last one. We're going to end it like this right now. John David Stanley, Reno, Nevada, duck calling, goose calling, fly fishing, extraordinaire. Look him up guys. Google him. He's one of the biggest, uh, you know, the baddest ass killers, hunters, fishermen there are in the country. He also just, he gets it. He understands it. He deals with a ton of duck hunters every day. The last question, best state you've ever hunted in. You can't count Canada. Best state in the continental United States you've ever hunted in. For what? Anything. What's your favorite place to hunt? Best state. What's your favorite place? Nevada. Nevada? It's home. Wow, Nevada. That's
1: where I cut my teeth, man.
0: All right, guys. This has been This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belling. We appreciate it. Shout out to more of our sponsor, Jack Link's Jerky, Budweiser, Bud Light dilly dilly anheuser bush thank you guys so much dick c peck tires and oakley oakley standard issue we couldn't do any of this the foul life bandit everything we got going on we're humbled that we have the partners and support that we do check us out at the foul this life ain't for everybody.com i'm your host chad Belling. appreciate you john david you the man thanks brother. see you soon brother hey just hit one more note on that can of the goose call just do a lesser for me real quick before we leave guys john david on the lesser call tim grounds right now go for it <laughs> Oh, yes. I got goosebumps. I appreciate you, brother.